And I think part of the problem is I, I read like a whole bunch of articles on this recently. That's why it's fresh in my mind. But interviewing people that love to watch live music what's what's one of the things that detracts them from going to see a live band versus you know just watching a video online the sound is bad like but they don't hear all the things that they hear whenever they're listening to a, a pre-mixed track on the internet throw your fucking beats by dre in the trash and learn what rock and roll sounds like <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> right hello and welcome to start the beat with sykes my name is sykes and this is my podcast before we get started i just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode if you're one of the people who listened to that conversation i hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back but for those of you out there who are new to the show welcome please feel free to make yourselves at home and as always there's beer and soda and water and nothing Nothing. in the fridge (laughs) i'll tell you cheers my friend Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> With a thumb. Cheers. Cherokee Red. I'm going to have a sip real quick of this real quick. Uh, just let that beat ride out. <sighs> we'll get that slow fade on the beat oh, real quick. Yeah. So today I'm sitting here with three-fifths or three-fourths of Identity X. How many fucking people are in your band right now? Currently currently five. So yeah, three-fifths. I'm sitting here today with three-fifths of the band Identity X. Make some noise for the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, all these people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Got D-Naps, Dave, and Roman, correct? Yes. You're the wild card. I wasn't aware that you were coming today, but it's really happy. I'm really glad to meet you. And I'm I happy never knew here. if I'm coming or not. And know, I, like- I, I'm just happy that I remembered your name because I'm really bad at that. So <laughs> Roman, that. it's such a great name. It's a, that's, it's a, yeah, that's, that's a good name. The coolest name in the band. Well, that and Albert are like the, <laughs> the two. Yeah, so, we have strange names, you know, in the band. Yeah. Darren. Darren. Darren, Dinapler, Darren you know? is very unique. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that have the name Darren. I know we're D-Naps, we're D-Naps, D-Naps, probably that's right. More, yeah. That's my street name. So I, I, I will ask you this from uh, one, one unfortunate nickname to another. How <laughs> do you feel about, you know, as you age sticking with D-Naps? Cause I feel really weird about the Sykes thing. Well, I think because it's, it's a part of like my, my name, Darren DiNapoli. It's just, it flows. So it's not really like a, <gasps> a name that's, it's been with you for a long time. Yeah. He's had this, he's had this name for what, since sixth grade. Right. Right. And so it's, it's been a, yeah, a while. It's, it's not like, years. it's not like one of those weird nicknames. Like, you know, it's deeply ingrained. I mean, Tripper. It like, actually, it does not grow too much. Sure. You know? That's right. I've, I've been five, six, seven, you know, for quite some time. So depends on the shoes. Depends on the like shoes. A, yeah. Like Gunner. That's right. Gunner. Like Gunner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call him Gunner. For yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to yeah. make it stick. It's going to overtake Dean Apps. Gunner. Gunner. Done. Uh, for those of you out there <laughs> in the internet land that aren't familiar with Identity X, Identity X, your melodic hard rock band from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, you've been playing for over a decade. Um, I feel like as long as I've been playing shows as Sykes, Identity X has been a band. I feel like we've played some of our first shows together at a lot of places that no longer exist with a Casanova lot of bands. Sparks. Yeah. Yeah. Shout that out. Was, that was my jam, man. Casanova Sparks. That was, you guys were a, a sick band. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you. Uh, love for Casanova Sparks. Yeah. That was, that, that's a, that's a, that's an old throwback, but yeah. the stuff does exist. I, 
I uploaded the Casanova Sparks album to YouTube. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, a couple years ago. So it's on there. <laughs> okay. It's on there. I, I try to archive all of the stuff from my past that wasn't so bad and the bad stuff. Right. It's all there. That's it. It's fun to have it. Oh, it's good just, stuff. Man, uh, I, I'm yeah. proud of that stuff. Yeah. I love being able to just be like, hey, I did this really embarrassing thing <laughs> right. 10 years ago. Want to check it out? Yeah. It, it helps. It helps you like really like kind of establish that benchmark for where you are now. You're like, well, you know, I really don't happy with the stuff I'm creating. Then you go back to what you made 10 years ago and you're like, not soon too bad. Okay. All right. We're good. Sometimes I'll like revisit stuff from way back then and I'm not embarrassed. I'm actually like impressed of like how unique and different it was. I feel like there was a thing back then for me and I don't know if this relates to any of you, mm-hmm. but when I was a little bit more naive when it came to making music, writing songs, being in the studio, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just did whatever I wanted and there was no rules. I wasn't aware of like, Oh, I shouldn't do that because it's not the correct thing to do. Totally. And like, there's like some things that I'll listen to from back in my early days. And I'm like, this is so lawless and cool. Like, that's such a good way so, to put it. Yeah, it's just getting old. That's okay. Well, no, no, it no, happened no. to me like 10 years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not, you're exactly right. Like, I think whenever you're writing at that early, like you said, that naive age, you're not focused on like, Oh, you know, is, is it strong enough of a hook? You're just writing stuff that just like it hits you and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels good at the moment. I don't care if it's, you know, an eight minute song. <laughs> I just, I wanted to keep writing. Um, yeah. Whereas you that's what become, actually hit me uh, with your first album, because like, I'm like, you know what? why this part goes after this part why do we have five six parts and then there is sevens coming because like i'm used to okay there is verse there's chorus and identity text was always like about this really nice melodic parts that come from nowhere and when i heard the first album that's i really fell in love yeah that's whenever we're doing like it was like three different verses and then two different choruses like into like just a big mash of uh-huh. music. Yeah. But it was fun. I mean, it was, it's, it's very, very visceral and kind of, yeah, you, you can, yeah, totally. I agree with what it, you're saying. It's you go like, back and and some of that it's stuff. so hard to go back into that mentality now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because now over the years I've gotten into audio engineering and producing and I've like analyzed more like what makes a better song is if that's actually a discussion to have. Right. It's so subjective. I was a listener, but like I what I think makes a better song has changed over the years, but simultaneously I'll still listen to something that has that lawless naive feel. And I'm like, it. I'm like, fuck, this is so cool. Yep. But like, if I try to do something like that, I'm like, this doesn't make sense because <laughs> it just, that isn't how you write a like, song. I know better than that. According to the I? rules. Yeah. So one of the things that I really wanted to talk about with your band and before we get into, actually, before we get into everything, why don't we do our plugs? Cause you put out an album yeah. recently. I'm correct. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably why you're here. You want people to listen to this fucking record. <laughs> so why don't you tell people about the record and then I'll get into my questions about the band. Sure. Uh, yeah. So we, we released an album, Wounds of Our History. Uh, it's out now on Apple, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. Yeah. Every, the everywhere. unfortunate places where people yeah. get music these days. <sighs> it's big deep sigh. We do have CDs as well. And we, we appreciate whenever people buy those. So feel free. Um, but yeah, we released uh, Wounds of Our History. It's, it's an album that we've been writing for actually a long time. Um, and we recorded it up in Long Island, New York with a friend of ours, James Miller, who's the drummer of a band, Blame Shift, who's been through the city a couple times. Former drummer. Former drummer, Blame Shift. Um, I ignite and a couple other bands, but he has a, a, a great studio and kind of helped produce the album. And we're really proud of it. Uh, it's seven songs, uh, but they're all, it's one of those things where we took a while to write the songs because every song we wrote made it onto the album. We, we, there weren't really any throwaways. We do have a whole bunch of 
songs ready to come in the chamber, but these are the ones where like, just go and just finish them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Wounds of Our History is the album. Yeah. Oh. Anything you want to add to that, DNAPS? I think it was, um, it was, it was like the songs that we kind of had attachment to and that's why it, it took that long because like I think for so long we weren't really satisfied with the way they were turning out. So it really was yeah, a, a perfect storm of... We re-recorded we, it like three times. Yeah, we had to have the right the right places, you know, or people and places in, in where we were going. So that's what took the time and it and, took, and, yeah. and driving up to, to Long and Island up, to record. Yeah. And like it was, uh, we, we started doing the, the, um, remote recording where I, I had my studio in my bedroom at the time. And I did the, most of the vocals there and I would send them off to the engineer and he would kind of mix them in and produce me via the internet and I would re-record stuff. And I actually, uh, in fires of suburbia, I have, um, this special guest appearance by Highland Pines, um, Matt, Matt Donnelly and, uh, John Ott or, uh, John Otto. No, John Otto is, uh, they made it on the track and the, the growls and the screams. You'll That's hear them fun. on there. Yeah. Yeah. They were in my bedroom shouting <laughs> for their life, but it was funny because he hadn't, they hadn't been on stage for a while. And, uh, he's like, Oh my God, I don't know if I still got it, but he definitely did. You can uh-huh. hear him there. I love like all these years later, we still are somehow recording music in bedrooms. Oh dude, it's, well, it, it, why not? I mean, the equipment's so good now uh-huh. and I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's the cheapest way to do it. And the, the quality is it's under your control. So you're not under that, that time, that clock, that gun, you know, that the second hand. So you can take all the time with it that you want and um, really get the best sound. From it. I think that it's so crucial for bands to be as self-sustainable as possible from everything. Like if you can, even if it's something as simple as just being able to like self demo stuff, in a room, like in a DAW, like to be able to just like multi-track demo stuff out and be able to like actually know what everybody's playing. Because yeah. like, I'm sure that you've been in a situation like maybe, you know, five, 10 years ago, you go into the studio to record this song that everybody knows <laughs> and somebody starts playing a part and you're like, that's what you've been playing like, in the space the whole time. Wait a minute. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're, that's off, you know, like, you know, either like the rhythm's a little bit off or you're like, you're like a half step down. Like, it's just weird. And you're just things. watching the yeah. clock going to ching. Exactly. And you're, and you're paying for it. Yeah. So I, to be able to have that ability to track that stuff out and figure it out. I mean, I think it helps you write better songs, which is funny. If we're talking about like what makes a good song, right. but it helps you, uh, you know, write. I think it now the way I look at it, it helps me at least write better songs and have a better understanding of what everybody's doing as a whole and really analyze things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's for it's me as a vocalist and I, I record all the vocal parts. So I, I can't sing harmonies whenever we're writing stuff in practice. So I'll, I'll kind of get the main vocal line when we're working on songs live in our, our rehearsal space and then I'll track it and I'll go home and I'll start layering like the harmonies and the backing vocals over top of it to try to, you know, kind of create that. <laughs> full picture of what the song is I, 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 side note i think it's just really funny because remember how i accidentally opened up machine <laughs> all right the, the, still there the, the audio preferences for uh native Jeez. instruments have machine. been on the the second screen this whole time that's okay this is Jesus. sponsored by machine so while you're doing that i have a little you know something to talk about like the recording and the element of that oh, yeah, so that's fine yeah so i think that was the one thing that took a long time is you know when we, we recorded the first album it was the technology wasn't there. Like we didn't have the equipment to go and do it ourselves or we did, but it wasn't like up to the, where it should be. So I think that was our, our biggest setback was how do we capture the live sound that we put out there? Cause we were playing a lot of shows and people knew us by our live sound, but we could never really get that in a studio. So, you know, we did the first album and everything, but to take it to that next level, we, you know, we started talking to some people and we were going to go back into the same studio, but then, 
our friend James, you know, he said, I really want to get you guys something that you'll be happy with. And he it represents what you sound like. He was on stage at that this. point in time, he was working with a producer out in uh, LA, this guy, Eric Ron, who's now gone on to produce Godsmack and um, ba- issues, all these bands. That Never we, heard of them. And he yeah. was, right. And he was under, yeah. he did under, he worked under John, he worked Feldman. under John Feldman. So, so he said he learned a lot of stuff, you know, just by, and, and then he also did a record with uh, the burn, burn bomb and Bittner, the guys that produced Coheed. Mm-hmm. So these guys, this guy that worked on our record had a lot of studying behind under his belt that he said, you know, I really want to get my studio going and we want to bring you guys out as like the first, you know, project that we can work on. So I think that's the thing is it's, it's hard to find somebody that really takes an interest in your group. And then the band is able to afford to do that. And I think that was our thing is that we, you know, we were coming up from a time when we were broke, so we couldn't, yeah. you know, drop thousands of dollars to go into a studio and record. So James was one of those guys that he offered to, you know, come up to his house for the weekend and record here, record there. And is that, that's the, the, the new project that that's we're the, talking about right now. Out now yeah. That was the album that was out now. And it, it took a while because that's the thing is we had to drive up to Long weekend Island. Tricks, weekend trips. Yeah. We've been trips. trips. Yeah. We were pulling, we were doing yeah. weekend tricks to make yeah. weekend trips. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So that was, I think that James, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. Thank you. James was, James was able to like help us, you know, take the music to the next level that we can say, this is a good representation of where we want to go from, from this point on, you know, and it's, it's a better representation of who we are as a band. I think that's a really tricky thing. Being a band is actually finding a producer slash engineer that understands what you're doing, gives a fuck about what you're doing and will commit to put that product out. Yep. You know, I really, I always, um, I compare it to like a tattoo artist. Like if you have, if you want to get like this, you know, super like sick Lord of the Rings dragon, you're not going to go to somebody that does like traditional portrait tattoos. Right. There's nothing wrong with that style, but it's like what they do isn't what you want. Right. And you'll have that a lot of times where like, you know, if you're a band and you play a certain style of music, but you don't know who can record what you want to do. You might settle for recording with somebody else. that's not comfortable with your style. And it just ends up in like a, a product that, you know, just right. it's Suggest- not a proper reflection of what you are. Well, they, like they're, they're good at what they do, but the suggestions they're making don't fit what you're hearing in your head whenever Dude, you're creating. It's the like, sounds. Go, it's, you're going to Olive Garden and asking for general. So yeah, right? it's, well, it's total it's example. Not, it's not, it's, there's nothing wrong with either of those things. Yep. It's just like you got to find the right match. And sometimes it can take a really long time to find that person. Yeah. And James, James is great. I mean, that's awesome. I, I can't, I can't give enough like, like praise to him. It, it, was, it was such a good process. He was so patient and the suggestions he made were great. And we, we, we butted heads on some stuff, but like he like went into the process and kind of made that very clear. Like, I want you to, you know, fight me on stuff and, you know, we'll come to a conclusion, but I need to know what you're passionate about and you'll know what I'm passionate about and we'll, we'll figure out what, what is best for you. And so it was awesome. Absolutely. 100%. I want to be completely transparent and let you all know, I don't normally use this windows computer for recording. My MacBooks half torn apart in my bedroom right now. And, uh, I did not start recording the video (laughs) until just now. (laughs) It's really not that big. It's really not that big of a deal (laughs) to be completely honest with you. Uh, it's totally fine. Yeah, there. No I'm just letting you know <laughs> and letting everybody else know that's that it. I'm done. this kind of yeah. shit happens. I'm, I'm trying. I, I, I knew that. 
You know? I like, well, you got I the audience. To say something. No, you knew it. You I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to navigate a conversation and watch the audio and the video. And I just happened to check on the video to see where we were at. And I was like, oh, it's not even fucking recording. Okay. All right. Great. So no, there's that. All right. Well, you got the it's audio. It's all good. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's good. More. It's people- all on my phone. The 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 audio downloads to video downloads are ten to one anyway, so don't oh, worry about okay. it. Cool. The, the video is a, a much smaller demographic. No anyways. problem, man. But I just wanted to let you know that and yeah. let everybody else know that if you're watching this on video, we are on now. But I will still <laughs> upload this full thing. But it will be like just maybe a just picture a, of the a still, band, a still image or something. That's what <laughs> just I'll do. Like one of those like old like Windows, you know, ni- Windows ninety one like slideshows where like the picture. It's gonna be the in. banana from Peanut Butter Jelly Time, <laughs> just dancing the whole time while you're talking for those first ten minutes. That's it. Fuck it. It's totally well, fine. Two thousand pictures from last photo shoot. You know. That, yeah, we can just, just yeah, slide them in. Uh-huh. The whole the whole first part. So they missed all that. You know, the machine being up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. All uh, that stuff wasn't even on there at all. Uh, we'll, they'll have no we'll, idea what they missed. Sorry, guys. So moving forward, mm-hmm. remaining productive, getting back on track. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to talk to you about specifically, Identity X, is the style of music that you play. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before, you know, you do melodic hard rock, which vary in the style of like bands like, I mean, Coheed and Cambria or Incubus or Shine Down or like there's so many bands that you could... They're big bands, big arena rock bands, and you have a really big arena rock sound. My question to you is being a band on a DIY level, the struggles of trying to execute your vision properly on a DIY level, because I imagine it has to be difficult. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think stage show wise, I mean, we all you have these you know, delusions of grandeur in your head of what you want to do at the stage show. But like you said, on the DIY budget, you can't do a ton of stuff I mean, you can hire a good lighting guy and do some, you know, some, some backdrops and stuff, um, which we do, uh, which is, is very helpful. Um, but I think honestly, I think the most important thing is just getting, being happy with our songs in the way we perform them live. Like, um, that's all I want out of it. I want to leave each show and kind of feel like, get that feeling, you know, that was good. That was a solid show. Even if there's like little mistakes, I felt good about every single song. I was in every moment of it. You know, we were hitting all the all the big marks dynamically. The audience was into it, um, however big or small. And um, yeah, I think that's that's the most sure. important thing. But as far as like translating that sound to like a small house and yeah, I mean, and just like the look of it, because I've had this conversation before with some people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, say, like you're a band that wants to be, you know, the next whatever big band, uh, Incubus, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, like you can't be a band playing that style of music on like smiling moose howler size stages. I feel like there's something where the translation doesn't quite match. Whereas like there's the flip because there's like smaller indie rock bands that excel in that environment, but you put them on a big stage and it becomes weird. Yeah. I feel like it's almost the opposite. It's like the bigger the stage a band like identity X is on the more sense it makes. Yeah. That's, that's actually a good point. That's something I've never, I've never really given thought to, but that's, that's actually kind of uh, very intuitive. Uh, I, but I think kind of going back to our influences are, I mean, I, I know personally, like so all of my, most of my favorite bands, I mean, Incubus is definitely like, f- that's in my blood. I mean, that was one of the first bands that I really kind of latched onto early in like the science and make yourself days. And, um, but the, uh, the bands that, that kind of like molded this, the kind of music that I'm making now are like funeral for a friend, Alexis on fire, um, Coheen Camber, which is a big band. But the first time I saw them, it was in a little, 
I, I think the room's capacity was a hundred people. Well, sure. The Coheed and Cambria is a rare thing where they like came up in that realm. Like yep. they had a sound that made sense, but it's like as their popularity grew, yep. their sound grew Not, with their popularity. Yeah, totally. It's like they became bigger as they were able to play bigger venues. It's so interesting. Totally, man. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that like kind of like what I'm going for, I mean, whatever it, we do have that big sound. And I think a lot of that comes from just, I mean, my, my background in like the, the theater background that I have and the way that I sing is it, it's, it has that, that big spacious kind of sound. Um, I think that, that gives it that characteristic of being one someone to sound like an arena band. I mean, I love eighties hair metal bands. That's a guilty pleasure. Um, you did rock of ages too. Yeah. I've done rock of ages. That was like my dream come true. <laughs> out, out, it was amazing. At an outdoor amphitheater in North Carolina. It was like, you know, 2000 seats and just singing eighties metal songs like, yes, <laughs> with a big wig. No, but, um, <laughs> No, but uh, I, I think the type of music we're trying to write are those bands that are that really thrive in those small houses. Like, like I said, Alexis on Fire Funeral for a Friend. Um, I love Protest the Hero. Doesn't I mean? I don't know if you hear that in the music, but it's. I think I think that's and that's one of the reasons why we're we're doing this show coming up on December 29th is we want to try to bring that stripped down. We're doing an acoustic show and we're doing it as a full band, so we kind of want to give a different feel uh to the music and interpretation so it's Where's not that just show at? uh club cafe cool. so we did that same day last year we did it on december 29th and they're bringing us back again but that's the thing is i think some people like they see us as this loud electric arena you know big stage band but then you know we'll play on a small stage like we'll even play um dave and i do shows or, or roman and i like we used to play at the clotta when that was still open it was just the three of us and we'll play acoustic and it's a totally different response than when we're playing loud and in your face so i think that our good thing about us is that we have a a, an ability to to translate from stage to stage but i think in dave and i in in roman we still love to play the smaller gigs um the one i the one show in particular that we remember if i think it's luke woley's alaskan grill now but it used to be called deja vu oh god that was such and this was like a, a faded industry show back in that day. And it was upstairs. And I remember there was a band called level SD that opened for us. And I just remember it was just like, we were right up no, against, it was one of those, there was, shows no, stage. There was no stage and, and everybody's we were, like kind of smashed up against you. It's like, a, it's pretty much, it's kind of reminiscent of like the basement shows like yeah. in the early, like emo kind of punk era. Yeah. But for that, a champagne crowd, for, for a yeah. champagne. but yeah. it was like, <laughs> it, it was just like a bunch of sweaty kids. And like, it was yeah. so much fun, but like, it was just not, the typical stage we weren't expecting that and it was great like those were those are probably some of our best shows that we played like the smaller club atmosphere so yeah there's something about those types of shows they're so few and far between but it almost becomes like a like a drug thing like you chase it after you've had it once you're like fuck so like hell yeah it's like you know we get to play Deutschtown Music Fest in a parking lot. Let's do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, like let's fucking do it. Because I, I think a lot, I think a lot, of, a lot of that is like you lose some of that pressure of like whenever you're playing a place. Like we did our CD release at Jurgles, which is a great venue, and they treated us very well. And um, it, it's a you know big sound system, big stage, and that was fun. Uh, but I there's a lot of pressure when you're renting out a venue like that. So, you know, sell the tickets and like really kind of like make sure everything, all the, uh, you know, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and all the bells and whistles are there. But like when you're doing a show, it's like a parking lot show and you can just get down and dirty and just play your music the way that you wrote it, the way that you felt whenever you wrote it and not have to worry about any of that shit. It, it, it gives you a whole different vibe whenever you're playing. And I, I feel like it's more fulfilling that way because it's, it kind of gets to the roots of why, why we do yeah, that. We just recently had this two shows that was like, you know, back to back. lots of people back to back that played on the parking lot. And it's interesting because like, 
we were watching just the people turn around and start coming to the parking lot. And that's kind of a different feel. Like, like, like you, you see that your music, even some people passing by, attracts people to come to the parking lot and listen to us. Then with, they talk to us and like, it was a really, like, really interesting experience for the sun, me. The sun was very was bright like, that day. Besides that, it was a great show. Like the sun was like right there. It was like, yeah, it was like what? So that, like, was, yeah, that, like, that was the one show that we, we brought our board and we were going to do like the whole We were going to run our inner monitors. We were going to do, you know, like the sample pack I think, and everything. I, I think and, at that point we just said, you know, let's just crank the amps, make sure that we're balanced and just go back to basics. Rock. That's it. It was yeah. great. So, yeah. And actually, but you know, it's probably maybe about this like, like big open stage because like the stage was like pretty much the sky. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, there was nothing. It was just literally just a plank of wood on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you need. Um, no, but the acoustic show, kind of going back to that quickly, is we're, we we do, we want to tap into that, um, that try to try to get a different audience appeal, I think, is is to let people hear our music from, um, i trying to think of the best way to say this, we're people that would be put off by, you know, screaming and loud volumes and stuff, they'd be okay to come to see this show acoustic and stripped down because I feel like when we write these songs, we do put a lot of time into the lyrical aspect, the melodies, the harmonies, and like just how the, how the music flows together. And I think doing it acoustic is forcing us to kind of go back and reimagine them so that they could stand on their own as pretty much a whole new album. It's the same songs, but they're orchestrated for the instruments that we're using on that stage. So, sure. And it really speaks to like, if you want to get into this conversation again of a good song like if you are able to strip a track down to just like oh what is the basic like rhythm chord and melody of this song mm-hmm. and you still have something that is listenable and trans like work function as a whole song like you really have something yeah you know so. what i mean like there's you know i mean there's a lot to be said i don't want to say that like you know some of my friends that do technical death metal aren't musicians but like you can't break that stuff down into like an acoustic thing and get the same thing it's like it's different Yep. To have something that's more universal and that could be translated into different styles really speaks to like, I think it holds a much better weight as like a universal song. And if music is a universal language, yeah. it's kind of a beautiful thing to be able to have a song that you can do in various formats. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's the goal. I, I hope, I hope that's the case. That's what, that's what we're working towards. So and um, I, I think that like, you know, for us as we were growing up, I mean, Nirvana was one of those bands that when you saw the unplugged, and you said, man, Nirvana was this loud, obnoxious, you know, they were just in your face and then they, they stripped it down. You would always wonder like, what does that song sound like acoustic or what, you know? So that was like kind of a, an inspiration as a young kid growing up. You're like, how do you take a, a screaming song? Like, like the song rape me <laughs> and make it into something that is yeah, you're like, wow, like okay. a ballad, you know, I could listen to this with my mom in the car. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but not really. I think that the MTV unplugged in general, I think a lot of those were really, really cool. I think that it definitely opened a lot of people's eyes to music. I just miss that era of music in general. And I think that's probably the era that a lot of us grew up in like nineties, you know, where it was like, I've talked about this before where like, you know, being a kid in like grade school through the nineties, like, you know, it wasn't uncommon to be like, Oh, you know what? I like rage against the machine. And I also like smashing pumpkins and I like green day. And I like, the Beastie Boys, and I like, 
you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony, <laughs> or yeah, or Alice in Chains, yeah. or you know, whatever. Like it was like super common to have this super diverse style of music, and it really spoke in the music. Where now, I don't want to say it's necessarily uncommon for people to have a wide variety, but I don't think it's anywhere anywhere close to what it was like. I think back people, then. I think people think they have a wide variety of music, but whenever you really like put it to the test or kind of like boil down like what are they actually listening to it's it's pretty there you're kind of in your box you you know what you like and you listen to that stuff it was a lot different maybe even just in terms of like where you were getting music from like i feel like radio was vastly dynamic and like even music television while that doesn't really exist anymore that was you know fucking all over the place too yeah it was a lot of fun that was like where you heard all the songs that you couldn't hear on the radio really i mean they would you know it was uh headbangers ball and those shows existed for that TRL TRL. Well, TRL played the 120 minutes or yeah. yeah. 120 that's minutes. It, that's yeah, it. that's right. Yeah, yeah, man, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's where you hear the stuff and they would like be like, Oh my God. And you find your new favorite band. Um, that's where I found out about, I remember green jelly, the three what, little pig what's, songs. What's, yeah. what's the show we used to watch on fuse? Um, Goldfinger played, um, I think story of the year played, uh, farmhouse or like, Oh no, that was Farm Club was Farm the one, Club. but that was, they weren't on that. That was on USA right after WWE yeah, wrestling. That was an awesome show. Farm Club, like these yeah. bands that like weren't on the radio, but they were popular, um, but not radio popular. They, they were on USA. I said after, after wrestling, yeah. like 1030 or, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Right. And they'd play, you know, two, three songs. I'd never heard of this. It, it's just you have to look videos. it up. Yeah. They're, they were, well, it was uh, Matt Pinfield. He was the guy that was like the host. Yeah. Okay. This was after I think post MTV. Yeah. Right? That name yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. Matt Pinfield. Yeah. He was, uh, he was the bald guy. I forget what his, what, what show he, he hosted. Headbangers ball for a while. Okay. With Ricky Rackman. No, I think, or maybe he was 120 minutes, but he was an MTV personality for many years. And his whole thing was, he was very knowledgeable in, in music. And that's what made him very popular amongst like the music crowd. What was this show called? Uh, uh farmhouse farm club, farm club, farm, farm club farm, on farm, USA, yeah. farm club, USA, farm yeah. club, USA. I remember seeing, like, I didn't even, I didn't really <laughs> familiar with Goldfinger, oh, but yeah. I, their that's live it. performance of Goldfinger oh, on there yeah. was yeah. like okay. amazing. I remember this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we used to tape oh, that. Yeah, that, yes. that that dude right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, there's your boy from Power Man Five Thousand. Oh, that's so funny. Let's <laughs> uh open. Yeah, yeah. These were like well produced. Oh, this is so fucking funny. Hold on, where are we at here? Oh, there's like it's getting corn. Uh, well, yeah, that's what I remember. We no. used to, but the Goldfinger performance. I remember specifically seeing that and going, yeah. like, "Holy shit, this is awesome." Uh, no, I never saw this. I never heard of this. That is fucking super tight. Uh, yeah, I, I like taped it off TV because it was like so awesome. And I was like, I got to yeah. you know, record these performances. Uh, and for some reason, I don't have it. I don't. The one time I want to do some playback, I don't have it set up for the audio to play back. <laughs> but we could just watch the video real quick. Fuck it. That's it. Okay. Yeah, I definitely remember Matt Penfield. I definitely I remember who, that dude. I don't know who that yeah, girl go is. Go to upload memory. We used to be like, oh, yeah, we can get on here. We can send them our music. Yeah, yeah. That's right. AOL keyword farm club. What <laughs> year was this? I think it was 2000. And maybe earlier than that. Okay. Yeah. 1999, yeah. 2000. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then they would, they would feature like independent in groups. Bands. Yeah. yeah. On, on the show. Good. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Who's this? I'm not sure. They look awesome though. This, uh, it's probably, it's probably better that the music isn't playing. I don't feel like I don't <laughs> I I already got a copyright strike uh, uh, this yeah. week. Oh no, really? I did. Yeah. Oh, no. So the, I uploaded an episode. Uh, so there was a funny thing. Uh, we're talking about the MacBook not being here. 
Uh, we'll talk about the episode that I uploaded where uh, I had some drinks here and I spilled a whole oh. beer onto my laptop. No. Uh. <laughs> but uh, when the beer spilled, it like hit one of the keys. It opened up iTunes and AHA's take on me just started playing in everyone's <laughs> headphones while uh. like beers just soaking into my laptop. <laughs> You're screaming and crying and everybody's like, and, uh, I left it all in the episode. Like you can listen to it. But then uh, I got the the Facebook notification earlier today. Like, like, you know, like one, one and a half minutes of your videos muted because oh. it contains but it's like give me a fucking break like yeah. i'm not making fucking money off of this <laughs> you know right. what i mean like if any like I, like literally it's like uh take on me playing while like you know my fifteen hundred dollar investment's just flushing itself <laughs> yeah down right the drain. exactly uh but uh yeah i i did a uh you can like uh what is it? you can uh <sighs> contest it or whatever oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fight it, and, yeah, and send them yeah. a little like yeah. so it was just like i sent i put a little paragraph yeah. in. i was just like hey i didn't oh, mean to put that in there i don't want to follow along to see if it had did you upload the video yet or did oh, you yeah, upload the yeah. podcast yeah okay I'm, I'm gonna like keep following it to see if like the music comes back on like <laughs> episode well, episode 265 with the band rave on me rave it kind of it kind of sucks now too because like even on instagram stories i can't like sit there and play the guitar to a song playing in the background and it will say Sorry, your song is banned in oh, or like dude. Yeah. yeah. I do those um I do DJ nights at Brillo Box. And one night, like, you know, the room was packed, everybody's having a good time. So I just took my phone out for like thirty seconds and filmed the room dancing. Uploaded <laughs> it to Instagram. Like and a room. I caught it? Yeah. And it was like, you know, your audio has been muted because it has, you know, like this. I was like, give me a break. Like or like you know, like yeah. I don't make money off of my Instagram posts. What happens if you speed it up just by like, you know, like a I know people that like speed things up or change the pitch like that's yep. happened. But like, seriously, like yeah. I'm in a club posting a video <laughs> yep. like there is no nobody is making money right. from this. If anything, somebody might be like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. Let me go on Spotify and listen to it. You're like, right. I know, but I'm You're not profiting from this. You're doing the work for them. Yeah, there's like this insanely paranoid thing going on now with the music industry and just like the way money can be made because there aren't a lot of ways to make money. So everybody's just fucking so paranoid, which is a a topic I suppose we could get into. We mentioned at the start of this episode that, you know, we've been in this for over a decade at this point. So we've seen and lived through this transition of a, social media or whatever as a working band mm-hmm. and you know what are some of your quick takeaways without getting too deep into it of like the social media era like 2020 being abandoned well i guess it's not 2020 yet but like it's close enough like you know 2019 2020 being a band selling music promoting your music social media like all those things what are your takes dave we can get into roman and dean apps takes as well um I, I think from as far as like a marketing perspective for the bands uh it, it's it's actually changed whenever whenever facebook was more you know in its infancy um it was easier to market the band easier to like get your music out there um my i mean this is throwback but myspace was actually pretty good for bands i mean you you could upload your music easily you could like you know manage your page better but well i always say this because they had myspace music they had a completely yeah. separate it was great thing for it yeah it was great and it was like actually i found a lot of bands that way going through my that and pure volume um and those went by the wayside whenever facebook got huge um and in its infancy facebook was okay we were able to like you know people would see our posts as, as a band 
But once they started uh, monetizing it, it, it got a lot more difficult. Whereas now you have to sponsor all your posts if you want anybody to see it. Even people that follow your band, you have to like, you know, if you want it to pop in their newsfeed, because you are a business, um, mm-hmm. it won't appear in their newsfeed unless you yeah. specifically drop. I, I just recently actually scheduled a phone call with Facebook marketing and sat on the phone with somebody from Facebook for an hour and had them show me how to use the ads manager properly. Really? Yeah. It's fucking insane. Will you do a podcast on that? Um, Well, (laughs) we have, we have another, so we, that's great. Like me and my lovely friend, Cheryl at Facebook, shout outs to Cheryl. Cheryl. Uh, She helped me like with a bunch of stuff. We set up a thing and then it's running now. And it was like, okay, let's schedule a call for next week and let's see how it's doing and see what we got to do to tweak your shit. And then it's a free thing. It's like they offer this to people. You just have to go onto like the Facebook for business thing and schedule a call with like a marketing person. That's awesome. So those resources are there as much as like I like am very much like, you know, fuck Facebook for everything that they're doing. I think it's bullshit that they put like us through the same thing like we are subjected to the same standards as coca-cola you know and it makes no sense because we're just like small bands right but there's all of these awesome free things on the website that you know she showed me to use that are there you just got to know how to do it and it's a free thing so they offer that for anybody that is interested enough to take advantage of it so i highly recommend that that's you know. great. I, I had no idea that existed. So I, I, I didn't either until like I got an I got an email about it because like with the podcast, I've been like doing a lot more sponsored posts and things. So yep. I guess they saw the activity and it was super cool. Like the I, the lady called me and she was like, I've been going through your page and I saw your videos and the content's great. I like the brick wall and everything's funny. Like you can tell like they actually like are they checked it out. They, they checked they, it out and yeah. stuff like that. So it exists as much as I think you know, Facebook is the devil. I think there is a part of it that wants small business to thrive. Yeah. But you need to take the extra step to initiate with it because they can't offer the service to everybody that has a fucking page. So if you're listening to this or, you know, you're here, go on there and take advantage of that service. Schedule the call and talk to the people. She was super helpful. That's that's super helpful. I mean, whenever we did the sponsored post for the, uh, for this album release show, uh, we actually got a lot more traction out of Instagram, like sponsored Instagram well, that, posts. The funny thing, I know they're owned by the same company yeah. now, but um, whatever the algorithm was with Instagram, it was like it was getting a lot more, uh, a lot more reach, a lot more uh, playthrough and feedback, or I guess uh-huh. what it's called from the, uh, the people that saw it. Yeah, like she was showing me how to like go into like posts that I've done over the past year, and like she was like saying how with Start the Beat, it was super cool because I've been posting like nonstop videos and stuff for the past year, like yep. all the episodes. So I'm able to like target things with everybody that has watched my videos in the past for a certain amount of time. Yep. And then make sure that like, there's another thing that she showed me how to do to make sure that like, say somebody has watched all 50 of those videos. I can make sure that that thing isn't my sponsored ad isn't getting sent to them 50 times because that's what it would do. A lot of times you might be just throwing something out there and it's only getting thrown out to like the 20 people. But if you go in and adjust the settings, you can fine tune it enough to make sure that like it's only getting sent to everybody one time. So you're like maximizing your impressions. And I was just like, whoa. Yeah, that's very, that that is what I was most worried about is, is who is seeing like controlling who could see it a little bit more fine tuned. Yeah. And it, um, the options are in there, but 
there's no reason that any normal person that has a normal life yeah. that isn't a fucking business consultant would know <laughs> how to go in there and work these things. Yep. But it, it's in there. It's, yeah, it's in there. Great. It's free to use. Please take advantage of this shit. Use social media for good. The options, it's there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's cool. We're going to look into that. But I think it's um, kind of going back to that question. I think that it's, well, now that I know that, it's maybe it will be a little bit better for us marketing-wise. But uh, I think this the saturation of the market, it proposes challenges. It also gives you opportunities as a listener to have a whole plethora of, of things to listen to. Um, the ease or the... Uh, the ease of entry into into like posting your stuff and getting your music out there is uh, the barriers to entry rather are, are very small. So, um, it just you know a, a kid in his bedroom going back to recording your bedroom can get stuff out there you know in a second and build totally. an audience yeah. quickly, which is very cool. Um, but it's it's also creates a lot of noise in the marketplace. So, it bottle it bottlenecks things. It bottlenecks, yeah. You, I mean, and then I think people's I think the attention span of, of listeners has changed. Like I, I mean. And that's just that's just with music in general, since you know albums have gone by the wayside, and it's it's much more of a digital market now. That very rarely do you feel pe- or do you hear people or do you hear people very rarely um, do people listen through full albums. I mean, I still do. I mean, if uh, if I buy an album or if I if there's a band that I, I really like that I've been following, I'll listen front to back just because I want to get that experience. Yeah, that's that's definitely that's not a, the majority, especially. In, and I mean, we're we're older too, so and growing up in the '90s and things like that's. I think that's that's part of our DNA as, as fans of music. And, and, uh, we, we, we like that. We want that. We want that relationship with the music. Yeah. We want to know what was going through their head from start to finish. We want to see if there's a storyline, if there's a, a progression there, we want to read, look at the album artwork and read the lyrics. And yeah. the thing that rubs me the wrong way with how music is distributed to everybody. It's kind of the same thing where it's like, you know, we're, we, we all have the same tools as, you know, Taylor Swift or, incubus or you know all our stuff's on the same platforms it's essentially the equivalent of like when we were kids and we went to the record store it's like our cd you know identity x cd is right in front of the incubus cd in the cd store yep. you know what i mean but back in the day you go to the cd store it's a reasonably curated selection of stuff yep. Yep. i mean there were times where like if you had an actual cd that was you know manufactured and shrink wrapped you might be able to get like a consignment deal with some local stores and get your cd in there it wasn't like it is now where essentially if spotify was a cd store it would be a shit ton of burned cdrs and like (laughs) some cds you know right because like so much of the digital marketplace (laughs) is just demos yep and they're able to put it out and market it in the same way as like an album yep so i feel like that really devalues like an album because it's like we have something on spotify that used to mean something Having something on iTunes used to mean something. Now anybody can fucking buy a beat off SoundCloud, rap into their phone and upload it to Spotify from the same device. Yep. It's crazy. In a half. We well, can do that right well, now. That's the barrier to entry. I mean, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like it is, it's become so easy, but, but that's awesome. Yeah. But it's also devalues the, the it, 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 it's really, really ignorant to not, say that that's creating a huge problem for people that are working their asses off to put out a product. Well, yeah, I mean, that was just perfect example. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like, like the old man yelling at the clouds, but like the, uh, you know, we were driving out to, to long Island to work with this producer that has great equipment and like understands our sound and finding him and spending that time because we wanted to produce this really high quality product and then put it on, wait to put it on Spotify or iTunes. Um, and that, that was, that was important to us to have a high quality product. So like, like you said, whenever it's just like, you know, it's the demo. It's like, it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, cool. I mean, good for you, but it's, it's just, 
it sucks. No. Yeah, it, it just it, it makes it really hard, but also whatever. It's cool. I'm glad everybody yeah, you do your thing. I mean, that's can put great. stuff out. I think at the end if of the day, if you can build a fan base with it, then I mean that says something. I mean, it's if you can build a fan base with it, then by all means, keep going. I mean, <laughs> yeah, go, going back to MySpace and uh, uh, Soldier Boy, tell him. <laughs> I mean, that dude made millions <laughs> off of bedroom demos when yep. his fucking music sounded like trash, but <laughs> it resonated <laughs> with a call. It resonated with the generation. Sure did. It, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, I, it, you know what yeah, I'm talking about. Talking that about. is a sound effect that I need. Yeah, no. you. you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. Dnaps, what's your takes on like being in a band in, you know, 2019 going into 2020 as somebody that has been, you know, working on a project for over a decade? So How do you I, feel about it? I think it's, you know, that's like you said, like what I learned, I, I spent 10 years of my career in advertising. So I studied a lot about like what was going out there and how people, you know, put things out there, not from a music perspective, but just from the, the broad perspective of life. So um, what I think is right now, you know, there's so many channels out there that you don't really know as a band, which one is, is the best or do you need to hit every channel? So you're saying, do I need to be on Facebook, Snapchat, uh, uh, Twitter, TikTok. Instagram, TikTok, you know, uh, reverb, you know, all these things that like you say, like, well, I put all my, we, we basically use Instagram and Facebook because that's about as much time as, as we sure. have, because, you know, we have, we have a job. He has a kid, he has kids, you know, it's like how many other sites can yeah. we all manage as an independent? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the hardest thing is trying to see like, is, you know, what is your channel? Um, but then also how do you use the channel? Like you said, it's, um, you can't really sell on a chain. Like you can't really sell to people anymore because there's so like, there's so much saturation out there. There's people asking for donations for their birthdays now. So people are out there asking for money and you can't say buy my CD. Cause they're like, you know, I don't want to buy your CD because everyone's asking me to sure. buy their CD. So you have to almost like put yourself out there. Like you're, you you're have to be something other than a musician, right? You have to be, you have it's to be really a, weird. You have to Art. be a, you have to be a brand. You know, that's what everybody talks about. is like, you got to be a brand, but I, you know, I, I study this because there's people that ask me, you know, cause I, I'm, I produce a lot of content and my biggest thing is I produce a lot of content, but it's hard to get it out there to the audience that actually is going to watch it. So although I am producing all the time, trying to focus in on what audience actually is going to appreciate that it's the same with our music. That's always been the hard element of getting to that next level. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a DIY band, you know, unless you're willing to, there's like a connection that you have to make either you figure it out or you have to go to somebody that like, like says, I know how to do this, you know, and they unlock the door to say, you know, you need, like you said, you had to call Facebook and they had to explain it to you. So I think a lot of people that are, that are in music, they have to get up in like on that, that element, or they're just going to be putting stuff out yeah. and, it's, and it's just going to be, I always say that, you know, the tree falling in the forest that nobody hears. So you're going to be producing all this great music or there's that documentary searching for sugar man where that guy like did all oh, yeah. the, uh, you Rodriguez. know, Rodriguez, he did yeah. all that great music, but then he didn't realize his entire career that he was uh, like insanely popular somewhere else. So, I mean, we could be insanely popular in another country and not even know it, but that's, again, we don't know like that audience that's out there that really likes our stuff. Um, and that's why I think for us, like, right now, our biggest thing is, can we get in front of those audiences that like us? So when we like, did shows that we opened for uh, 
like bands like Taproot and we did, you know, Story of the Year and Seven Dust. It gave us an opportunity. Only we had 20 minutes. The biggest show we ever did was we opened for the band Census Fail at Club Diesel, which is now Foxtel. But we only played for 20 minutes and we were on even before the doors were open. But so many people heard us. Got a lot of we got a lot of people that followed us. So I think that that's the thing as an independent band. Yeah, you have to get out there and you got to be active on the Internet. But you also need to get out there and find those. Yeah, those live channels. It's it's your your music's almost become like that. That that is your flyer now. And like you, you just like you got to throw it out there not expect not expect to make any money off of, of the music itself but like s- use that to sell your brand and to get people to buy into you as a, as a band and as a as an organization as something that they aspire to be part of um and then uh, hopefully they come out to the shows and right you know just, unless unless you like get a where you get on like you said like you get a catch a break and you get like one billion views on your song like yeah. you're you get on octane or you get some you know break um, there was a band that, that we played with at the Newport Music Hall and um, they're a band called Starset and they opened for us at Altar Bar. Then that's when they, they switched over. We played with them at this really small show and he even mentioned at the last show that there was like 10 people that came out to the show and it was, it was our show, <laughs> which is hilarious. I just saw them at Mr. Smalls and they had Mr. Smalls packed front to back. Now this is a band that's not like insanely well known in Pittsburgh, you know, that's the other thing too, but they had the whole place packed out. And I said, you know, they figured something out to get their music out and connect with people. Yeah, people I mean, were driving in from West Virginia to see, see them and all over Pittsburgh that, that, and that's the other thing. I think they're, they're always on the road, but they've, they've reached a point where they can support themselves at a level that they're bringing enough money that they can do that full time. I think with a band like us, it's still that like, you're doing it as a hobby and you're doing it as your, your full-time like passion, but you haven't reached that part where you can say, I'm a musician and I play out and this is how I make my living. I find that the one thing that has gotten really hard for me and maybe since we're all like in a similar age demographic, maybe we can relate with this where, you know, I never stopped making music for people in my age demographic. You know, I don't cater to a young demographic of people that go out to a lot of shows. Mm. So now I'm, you know, I'm a 34 year old dude making music for people that are, you know, either five years younger or five years older than me. That's kind of like the, the, the area. But a lot of those people now, if they're not, you know, living some shitty bullshit rock life like I am, <laughs> you know, they have fucking serious shit going on so it's like if it's a weeknight forget about it and if it's a weekend oh this place better be you know close to some restaurant that my significant other wants to go to (laughs) or you know you know there better not be a sports game on or oh the shit it's like you know it's like you have to swallow your pride and realize that you can't be a priority to that demographic anymore unless like you're really really big but when you're in that like in between it gets so much harder yeah to like build that base off of people in your age demographic because every day you're a little bit older. Yeah, totally. And And I I think that it it kind of, it forces you to open like search for new channels. I I think there, there is a a way to, to build an audience. So there has to be that, you know, getting people to come out to show like a traditional show show is definitely becoming more difficult, especially as we get older. Oh, I think, but I do want to say this one thing that I've always respected your band for and I think you've always been really smart about this is that you don't play Pittsburgh 
every other fucking weekend. Yeah. You never have. Mm-hmm. As long as I've known you. Yeah. You've always been the band. Like you play like it's like, oh, like, like probably like four times a year in Pittsburgh is a lot for yeah. you. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? And that's crazy because there's a lot of people that have been on the show. People that, you know, like they're I mean, they play Pittsburgh 25, 30, 40 times a year. Yeah. And like I it's like, I mean, that it's like, sure, that's like you're getting a lot of exposure that way but it's just like i feel like you're really burning yourself out maybe at the same time but also they're probably getting super fucking tight playing all those shows that's, too. that's it no 100 that that's exactly what i was gonna say is like that that that's almost like you know that's it's, it's like rehearsal essentially rehearsal with a little bit of added pressure of like having people watch you so it yeah. forces you to get tighter and tighter i and feel tighter. like and that's, I mean, it's different than practicing in a practice space. 100%. Stage, and it does, it builds the stage legs is a, is a totally real thing. Cause there was a time when we were, we were playing much more regularly early, early on. And, um, we, we were extremely, extremely tight. I mean, we could start songs without like, just like, you know, right on the beat without even looking at each other. We could just like feel when it was going to start no click track or anything. And, um, that came from just, you know, that repetition over and over. Um, but I like kind of like going to the getting people to come out to shows like, you know, as we're getting older, it's hard, tough to get people to go out with finding a, a restaurant next by nearby with a like, significant <laughs> other likes. Um, you know what? I've always wanted this like Broadway's doing this right now. It's going back to theater quickly um, where they're starting to sell tickets to live Broadway shows, but you watch online. So they're live. They're happening live, but they're being like live streamed. Everything's being like mixed live. So you're getting like a, a good that sound is frightening yeah right i am so uncomfortable right now yeah so I, it's it was that's that's what i'm like waiting for with like like bands it's like well they're will it get to a point whenever people don't even want to come out because and i think part of the problem is I, I read like a whole bunch of articles on this recently that's why it's fresh in my mind but um just interviewing people at like people that love to watch live music what's what's one of the things that detracts them from going to see a live band versus you know just watching a video online and it's almost every single person they, they gave them like three different answers or like they could give three answers out of a list of like 20. Um, every single person checked off. Um, the sound is bad. Like they can't, they can't get the, get that full sound live. Like they, they can hit the stuff's hitting them in the chest, but they don't hear all the things that they hear whenever they're listening to a, a pre-mixed track on the internet. Throw your fucking beats by Dre in the trash and learn what rock and roll sounds like. <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> right? No, seriously. I, I'm there's like it's a whole other like element to to experiencing that it's like that gritty kind of sound but um, there is a, a definitely a validation in that too because i think there are a lot of venues that are like losing sight of the importance of having a sound engineer or you, a yeah. proper sound system yep. it makes a fucking difference yep. don't you have gotta have that are all blown like you know you have to have a comfortable environment for the people that are coming to the show if you want people to stick around and come back yep totally. that's why there is a good segue here to our show, acoustic show. Yeah, right. That's why we're doing this too, because like, you know what? You, it's really hard to fuck up uh, an acoustic show. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not an acoustic guitar. Or anything. You know, yeah, if you, you have a bass and whatever is on your background, so it's going to be okay. And with Dave, you know, but he doesn't even need us to be there. <laughs> no. You know, like, so. No, the, so, so, so we're gonna be fine. Also, Club Cafe. Whenever we played there for the last show, they they do really good. I mean, that's one of the places they have like a dedicated engineer at their shows, and their sound like they they have good equipment there. Um, as far as like the sound system goes, the the backing, and um, I, I think kind of like adding the acoustic element really just plays into that. That like we really want. Yeah, to but remember, we played this acoustic show uh, like somewhere, and I remember uh, somehow they posted this on YouTube. 
And so I get responses from Russia. Party show. Yeah. Like the party show. Yeah. Like, like I get those responses that, you know what? I really like your band. Like, you know, like and before that we had like some other videos, but, but the quality so, sometimes is like, really like you can't just go and tape this show and it sounds good. Like, and here you can hear the sounds like somehow, you know what? First time I hear the bass, you know, it's interesting. You know? Yeah. Right. Oh my God. There's bass in this song. <laughs> no, um, we, so it's funny. That's that one that show that you brought up. So we did, we played it in acoustic. There's an acoustic video online of us doing Kings on the Hill at this thing called the party show. And, um, we, we, it was, just, I think it was just a four piece, me, Darren Roman and our, our, actually our first drummer ever filled in on, on Cajones. He was playing the hand drum. And, um, we, we ran it into, into a board, into logic and it was, it's live streamed. We ran it to logic. We kind of set the levels at the practice beforehand. So I knew how I like pre-mixed it. I'm like, okay, just plug straight in, give them the stereo outs and this is going to sound good. And we ran it out and it did, it turned out fantastic. And it, 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 it has gotten a lot of traction from that video. I've, I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I got called in. Um, I, I got I got flown to London back in July to be auditioned to play Jesus in the, the national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar that's happening right now because of that video. Like they, so they saw my audition tapes, um, and one of the videos that I had sent in was that track um, that the that the agent saw up in New York City, and um, yeah, that that got them to call me back to have me come out. They're like, you know, we we love what you did with your voice there and that song, and that's kind of the direction we want to go with. But of all things that I have, of all the things that I've sent in, that's the one that did it. The stripped down acoustic version in this little person in, in, in the basement. But it, but in, it was in back, in back to the roots too. You know, we just come there and we play music. We play music like that's, from, uh, from that says something. inside I mean, of us. The and purity like, of the know? sound, like getting a clean sound and giving people like, you know, you know really a representation of the band. Sometimes I mean, like I, I go to the shows and I like, like, you know, I've been in the business for, like a long time, but I literally listen to two songs. And if I don't like the sounds, I just go downstairs, you know, because like, uh, sure. and considering like, you know, I want to listen to this, but you know, this guitar is like so loud that and it's not I'm a loud, loud, it's not I'm even, a loud it's not person. Even, it's not even like, I'm like, like, it's I can't hear a, anything like, you know, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking for myself. It's not even like a, a matter of like volume. That doesn't bother me. What bothers yeah. me is whenever it's, it's completely unbalanced. Whenever I can't hear certain. Well, sure. Yeah. I right. mean, that, that, that's a, that's a mixture between, you know, either uh, an incompetent sound engineer yeah. or incompetent bands. Yeah, totally. Because sometimes you might have a sound engineer that, you know, they're mixing seven bands at night. And if these fucking guitar players don't know how to level each other's fucking guitar <laughs> amps. Yep. Whatever. I'm going to fucking mic one of them. That other dude wants to play that loud. Fuck it. I'm not yeah. running him through the PA. Yeah. I don't give a shit. You know, yeah, this totally. fucking, this band playing for 20 minutes on a support thing. Like, I don't care. Yep. Totally. You know, and if you're there fucking six nights a week, yeah, dude, you get you, burned you out. You get jaded. You don't care. Why yeah. would you? Right. But that also does not translate well to the people that are in the room. You know, yeah. that's the one night out of the year, maybe three years that they're going to be at your venue. Yep. You know, you want people to say, uh, you know, I went to the show, saw a band I never heard of, and it sounded great. Yeah, because that that gets them coming back. They makes them try out another show. Yeah, like, oh, I really had a really good time. Can't polish a turd. If a band yep. doesn't know what they're doing, that's another problem. Totally. <laughs> totally. Well, I remember when we first started playing shows like a long, long time ago in our first band, we would have to send in like demo videos like to, to book venues. That's so sick. 
like they we would have to like record us in practice and like send them like videos of us playing to essentially prove that we weren't going to do that like you said yeah um that we could balance our guitar amps to each other and it would it would be an okay sound for them um that's become a lot a lot easier but you're talking about the our only venue that we could ever play at back in the the early days was the American well, Music that's, Cafe. That, that's early, oh, yeah. early, early, early. I'm talking, early. I'm talking oh, okay. about like Nick's Fat City and um, like Metropole. Metropole. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. Well, they there's were, not that many venues anymore. They're coming right. back like the yeah. Roxy and the, uh, the uh, what's Thund- the Thunderbird. Played? Thunderbird. That was, that was such a cool venue. Oh my God. Yeah. I definitely want to go back there. But Yeah. No, I think that there's a lot of great things happening in the city right now. There's a lot of cool venues for bands. Yeah. And I think that the most important thing is that you're having fun with you know a group of people whether they're your friends or your family or both just uh sticking it out and just doing just music like there's so much in the world that is out of our control we can try to learn about the facebook algorithms or try to you know make the best sounding record to put on spotify and submit to playlists and stuff like that but so much of that stuff is out of our fucking control i think it's just about like making sure that you know we're having a good time and we're still doing this because we love doing it. And uh, that's one of the things that's really like cool about bands in a DIY scene, especially bands that have been doing it as long as, you know, identity X has, because it's like, you know, you've been the same fucking band pretty much since the day I've met you. Yeah. And you know what I mean? You still have like the same energy about your band. Yeah. You know what I mean? I saw you played the Town music festival and like you had the same energy and passion as like, you know, fucking 10 years ago at altar bar. God, I hope so. (laughs) You know, like it's It's getting hard. It's still there. You know, it's still there. Yeah. Likewise, man. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's inspiring. Like word was kind of like, you know, scratch each other's back, but seriously, like bands like you, like gray Walker, like whenever you guys play live, you throw down, like it's, and that, that says a lot because you've been around just as long as we have. So it's like, there's still people out there that are still digging into this scene and still trying to make this work. And that, that's, that keeps us going in a way. I mean, it's, I think most of us are, it could be, it could be hard to see it because we're all grinding so much that we don't get to see each other yeah. in our grind. Cause yeah. we're in the middle of doing our own thing. You know, we're, we're recording our own records. We're playing our own shows. We're in our own practice spaces. We don't get to be a part of everybody else's thing. Yep but it can be that struggle trying to like get fans and not have shows where your audience is all people in other bands. Cause that's that, you know, it's good to have those people as acquaintances, but those people aren't your fans. Yeah, you got to right. get like the genuine people. Yeah. And, and just trying to figure that out in, you know, 2019 is a challenge. It's, 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 it's different. So it's, it's different. So how about different. instead of coming to practices for 10 months, we just recorded an album just go back to Facebook, Instagram, and start promote. Just keep looking. all the music. Just keep looking and just yeah. spend this three hours yeah. without our friends uh, playing music and have fun with this. And just oh yeah, yeah, your, like, like your practice sessions can be the five of you with laptops, just uh, <laughs> emailing people and spam and stuff. It probably is not a bad idea. It's like sitting in a circle, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, like yeah. I'm telling you, like you know, I know people actually had their product and then. They go online and uh, so you know it. Yeah, another Spotify. Like I listen to always. Uh, I watch my wife when she goes on Spotify, and then when music changes, and it's like you know that's similar, that's similar music, and then she finds that song and she's like, oh, okay, I like it. And it was like song song number ten from the list, and then like after like two three months, this song becomes like. Like one of the most popular songs, like uh, uh, in Russia, like because she listens 
mostly to Russian music. Yeah. But you know, you never like, and it's intuitively she just goes and like, really, she drives her Tesla and she's like, that's that's the song. That's it. Like, so it's just releasing, just keep uh, continuing to release material. Just keep till something takes is kind of what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what? You you need to do what you do and to do your product. You know what? You we don't feel like 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 it's product product because we like what we do. But in actuality, what actually gets deserved some attention is something that actually the customer needs. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we, we probably don't think about this way. Sometimes we start thinking right. this way, but eventually we don't want to. I will you know, say, still. I have, a, I have a question for you because you do release so much material and like you, you do, like you're, you turn stuff out relatively quickly on a, not quickly, but on a regular basis. Yeah. Is it hard for you to let go of material to like, say like it's done, you know what I mean? And let it go. Just move on, move on to the next thing. Or no, not there, really. Okay. Because yeah, that's that always seems like a challenge for me. Like if there's something, if I get a verse and chorus down, and I'm like, I love this. Like if I fall in love with the song, it's very hard for me to put the finishing touches on it and let it go. Like, okay, it's done. Like well, not go back and try to make it. I don't know what everybody's like writing process is like, but I spend a lot more time on stuff than maybe apparent. It's not like, so we'll, we'll go to like sex and a new violence. For example, um, when we were getting together, somebody asked about what was going on and I was like, Oh, we have like, you know, we're about to record a new record. Um, I mean, like probably a good third of that album I had already started writing before the last one was even done. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just always writing. So it just gets to a point where it was like, okay, well, here's 10 songs and like this all kind of fits together and I have this other material, but it's not quite ready yet, but let's just record this stuff. It's not like, well, I have these seven songs and that's it record it. And then, okay, now I got to write new stuff. So got it. Okay. already, as soon as the album's done, it's like, I'm already, I know kind of like, pre-pro for the next. Yeah. Lineup. So it's just always like being consistent with things. Okay. But that's just how I do stuff. Yeah. You're, you're good, man. You've always been like that. You've just, you've, you are, you're like probably one of the most consistent artists in Pittsburgh as far as just releasing material and, and, you know, being true to, to your sound. I mean, in your multiple sounds, your, your different, uh, ventures. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to be consistent. I wish I could be a little bit more consistent, honestly, but, uh, well, you're doing a billion different things and you're doing them pretty I'm, well. I'm so trying, I'm trying be, my best. I think you're okay on yourself. <laughs> I think that, that, I think that's, that's the, the important thing though, to try to remember is to like, remember, like if I, if everything that I was doing was only one thing, it would feel very consistent, yeah. but it's, it's just not, it's just, it's like, I uh, always talk to people about like my struggles with social media because I have, you know, a half dozen different things that I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, we talked b- before about all the different social media platforms. Yep. So I have like a half dozen things that I do times a half dozen social media platforms for <laughs> each thing. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like exponential. Oh yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, I mean, I easily manage like two dozen social media profiles and that that's absurd. And that's it, it, and I think that's the hardest thing is like you know you you try to be like the master of of one thing like so you say like let me just focus in on being a good guitar player and a songwriter and and it's like no you can't just do that so it's like you have to be that yeah not anymore man and then I have to like split my time and you know and then work on video you know to obviously pay the bills you know because that's music is not paying the bills right now but so then you have to you know focus on that and get better in that realm and then you have to figure out how to market yourself and you know, that goes hand in hand with music and, and my independent business. But um, that's what I think is the hardest thing is, is that separation between the artist 
and the businessman and, and how to really marry those two together. So there's that harmony. So you yeah. can be an artist at, at, yeah. at heart and truly create, but then how do you get it out to people? I think, I, I think it just takes time, a lot of time and patience. Yeah. Uh, 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 a long time ago, like one of the early, very, very early episode of this podcast, I had a friend of mine, Mike hit, you may know him. You may not know him. He's a local producer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. He, follow him on Instagram. He was talking about with me about how like, it fucked him up the just like this concept of like spending so much time on your craft. Like, you know, you spend a decade, you know, learning how to like do your thing, whether it's singing or playing guitar or making beats, whatever, you know, like you spend so much time on it and you get to this point where like, fuck, I'm ready to really like get out there in the world. And all of a sudden then you realize like, I don't have a business degree. I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have another 10 years you know, to that. learn how to yeah. master another thing. But th- so that's been like the whole second phase of my life now. I feel like, you know, I, you know, probably like when we first met, I feel like I got about as good as I possibly could be at like audio engineering. I mean, in hindsight, I'm a lot better now than I was then. But at the time, like I felt like, fuck, I'm ready to do this. But fuck, I suck at talking to people and I don't know anything. I'm a fucking weird introvert. You know what I mean? That's how I got so good at this shit to begin with. You know what I mean? And now I got to fucking be social and like (laughs) sell this stuff, you know, like what? I don't want to do this. And it's, it's, it's complicated, but you know, here we are a lot like, you know, fucking, you know, the circle of life survival, the fittest, you know, you know, it's, you know, not everybody can fucking do this. And it's a harsh reality. So I think yep. a big part of it is just like sucking it up and learning how to do that shit that you don't know that you're not comfortable with. And if like you really want something, you got to fucking fight for it. Man. Yeah. yeah. Even if that fight is with yourself. Yeah. You've already gone so far to like to master those other skills. It's like, why not? You know, just, just go uh-huh. finish it. Go. I, I think in the other thing about, you know, myself and Dave, you know, we, <laughs> we got to that point where we went off on our own. He, he actually started before me and he went full time as an actor. And then, uh, for the past few years, I've been doing my own thing as an independent, you know, freelancer running my own business. And I think being thrown into that, like I have to make my living off my art. How can I sell it is like giving me a whole new perspective of like, how do you sell your, your music? You know? So I think that, you know, coming from this, the steady day job, I get a check every week and I can go play and have this buffer it put me in a new mindset of like, how do I need to produce to like actually make something off of it? You know, what is the, Mm -hmm. what is the best path to take? And like you said, like I don't have another 10 years. So I either a have to just learn it as I go. You might have another 10 years. Yeah, you're right. right, right. Well, well, that's what I mean. (laughs) Oh yeah. I saw Iron Maiden a couple months ago. Those fucking dudes played a better show than anybody else I've that's, ever seen. And they heard, are, man. they're up there in terms of age, if that's a thing. Yeah. So yeah. if you're worried about, you know, like how well you're going to be doing in your forties, well, like just I wouldn't look at it. Just yeah. fucking well, watch I think, those dudes. I, I think it's just like, you know, that's, I think it's the thing is like, you know, the, the, the type of music that we want to play, we want to go out there. We want to play this like, like I can't even headbang anymore. That's what's like so sad. Like, like, like we, we just, we just went, we went to, uh, we went to see Incubus and like, I was like getting into it a little bit. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, they're playing make yourself. And you know, I was like rocking out and then out from under. And then I was like, ah, oh, man, my neck is like, just not feeling. So it's like, you know, that's the thing is like, you know, when you reach the age, it's actually my birthday is going to be on Monday. So it's like oh, when you turn 36, uh, you know, a little, little bit different. Just send of a, there in a big old bottle of like, yeah, turmeric. <laughs> That's right. They told me, you know, make sure that you, um, you know, just 
that's why I started seeing a chiropractor. A chiropractor is is my uh, you know the, the savior of of all those years of head banging. <laughs> so, Amazing. But in my early twenties, I was head banging like crazy and whipping my hair around like. But you know what? There's so many head banging that you can do in your life. You know. Yeah, you're right. So, you're so, right. So you're done. I was like, I was like the guys. I mean, when I see uh, Gray Walker, I mean, they're they're just like they can spin their heads around like crazy, and I'm just like. And my neck is just oh, bro, hurting. bro, I was bro, like, bro, dude, they bro. have a they have a special, you know, like uh, dude. Come to practice the after a show and listen to everybody like Ugh. <laughs> 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 you know, the group the group chat yeah. day after. You know what I mean? Uh, it's real quiet. Everybody's like, Ugh. yeah. You got, uh, you got to start. Oh, they'll they'll suck it up on stage, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, no, we're yeah. it's all the show. That's you know, the show. We're just as mortal as all everybody. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, exactly. You're talking about how how you know we're aging and the audience is aging as well. Um, but we're still playing the same kind of music. You know that high energy. So like maybe maybe we should start branding like like those ice packs, like the gel ice packs. <laughs> oh, like, dude, like, hell yeah! Logo on it. You'll need this tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Come we, to uh, our show, rock out, and you get this nice gel ice pack. And, we did uh we did Greywalker shirts on the front. It said uh Greywalker Mosh Retirement Club. <laughs> and then and then on the back it said too old for the pit, just here for the riffs and had a bunch of like like you know the bathroom figures, like the bathroom yeah, guys, yeah. but with their arms crossed. Yeah, just, yeah. So that was on the back of the shirt. Totally and I don't think we've ever sold out of a design quicker than those oh, ones. Amazing. We blew through them. Yeah, that's that's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. But it's those. very true. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, we know our demographic and we're gonna fucking play to well, it. That's it, right. because people still enjoy the music. Like, I mean, I'm listening to just as you know, just as heavy music now as I did whenever I you know first got into to rock and metal. So it's like it's I still enjoy right. it. Maybe I, I don't move around yeah. as easily in the pit. And like I said, I might stand in the back, but I'm just, I'm enjoying it just as much. I mean, we would have probably moshed if Incubus played at a venue that Heinz was Hall moshable, was but like, it was like, yeah, at Heinz Hall. And we just, right when they played those heavy songs, you're like, we want to, we want to have that experience, but you know, there's people, they would have probably been like, Oh, sorry for bumping into you, you know, but it's, yeah, uh, when I saw uh, that show was at Heinz Hall. I was like, yeah, it's what weird. the fuck? Because like yeah. I saw Incubus on the Make Yourself tour at Metropole when I was in like fucking eighth grade. Yep. And I remember they had a thing where if uh I already owned the CDs, mm. but they had a thing where if you bought the CD, you could meet the band afterwards. So oh, I remember man. meeting Brandon Boyd after the show. Now it's like five hundred bucks like, to pop to meet him. And like I was like uh, the only thing I remembered was like I had never talk to somebody so tall in my life really? but like i don't <laughs> know how like, tall yeah. six, i don't three, know I how tall he is but i mean keep in mind like i was in like seventh or eighth grade so i was just like right. whoa <laughs> i remember and i was also like yeah. super thrown off because like there's no uh in the i don't know like how the artwork has changed but in the make yourself cd booklet there are no band photos Oh, so right. yeah. I was expecting dreadlock Brandon Boyd, like science era. And then whenever, you know, Short hair. when, yeah, when fucking Michael Phelps walked on the stage, I'm like, who the fuck <laughs> is <Michael> this? <laughs> like, well, he still got the gauge, but it was like, it sounds like him. I yeah. guess that's him. And that was after a very confusing set. Cause Buckethead opened up for them on that show. What? And I was oh, like, wow. what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then I'm like, who the fuck is that? And then I'm like, I guess it's Brandon <laughs> Boyd, you know, ticket, like, yeah, like it was, <laughs> so weird but uh yeah uh i don't know nice guy met him that was an awesome that's show. awesome man yeah he's he's like my hero so. that's like that's like <laughs> I, one one show that dave and i went to we were young we saw um 
uh, POD and Lincoln Park opened for POD. Lincoln Park went on before the doors opened. And, and years later, was it, so Laga? it was at uh, Metropole. Metropole. So we got to see, you know, I got to meet Mike Shinoda like after the show and he's like, yeah, man, we're from LA. So then years later when POD was like, you know, this is, I don't know, maybe 10 years later, they played at Alter Bar and I was, you know, Sonny, the singer was outside Sonny Hunger. I was like, you remember that time when Lincoln Park opened for you guys? He was like, yeah, you think, you know, that's uh <laughs> Kings of the game tour. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, you think you see how our, you know, the careers, like how they, you know, they became this, the, the biggest band in the world. And then yeah, but isn't, that, isn't that, yeah. well, like, isn't that yeah. funny? Yeah. Fair. Yeah. 10,000 times better songs. Oh yeah. To get back into. Right, 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 right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, that, um, cause I, I got a copy of the album. I can't remember. I know I got a demo from a guy that I worked with. He, there, somebody was passing him out. Somebody from the, what was a street team company that we used to like, Street, streetwise streetwise yeah somebody from streetwise was passing out cds at i think the in flames show and gave it to him and he's like oh i can't listen to this light shit you want this and he like gave me the cd and it was a uh, paper cut one, one step, step closer. closer it was just like those two songs yeah. and i remember listening to like oh my god this is amazing Dude, that album fucked me up well this so this before the album came out and that's all i had is like i love this band i love this band and then i saw we were gonna go see pod and then i saw lincoln park was an opener and I was like, dude, we're definitely going to go to this show. And I think we only made it by the last song. We almost missed them. We saw like four songs yeah. because they put them on before the fucking doors opened. Like how fun, like that. I want to know where that promoter is now. Like, like he put, he put Lincoln park. It's like, nobody puts baby in the corner. Nobody puts Lincoln park on before the doors open because yeah. And head PE was also, they were, PE, they were right after Lincoln park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but that, that was cool because we, after they came off the stage, I got to see a few of their songs. I saw paper cut and one step closer. And I, I talked to him afterwards and, uh, that's whenever Mike oh, had the blue hair, but I had Brad, yeah. like I had the guitar player. I did this. This is actually the first concert I ever went to. Um, brad the uh the guitar player i remember i was that i wanted to know how he made how he played that on guitar because i just recently started playing guitar so when i went up to him that was the only thing i could think to say like how do you play that riff at the beginning of one step closer he doesn't have a guitar on or anything so he's like oh man i'll, I'll tab it up for you do you have a piece of paper i was like oh i got my ticket stuff so on my back of my tickets from that show he like drew the little tab bars and like wrote how to play the intro for one step closer. Do you still have that? Yeah. And I was like, fuck yes. And dude. I was like, can you sign the back of this? He's like, yeah, sure, man. And he signed the back. He wants some guitar picks too. And he just gave me like a handful of guitar picks. It's like, this is freaking awesome. Dude, like, I just got fucking chills right? thinking about having that. Right. That like, is so that fucking sweet? awesome. Like in, in my first show ever, like that was my experience. I'm like, every show is going to be like this. And it, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it goes back like we were saying, like little club shows versus kind of circling back. Like, the big venues, those little club shows, like they give you a whole nother experience than seeing Incubus and Heinz Hall. Great show. But that little Metropole show where I got to meet the band afterwards and like there was like there was like 16 people there watching Lincoln Park play and they're stuffed in the front. So there's six people in that band stuffed into a, a you know, about two feet by like four uh -huh, feet of backline stage. Backline yeah. stage. And like I remember I remember uh, DJ Han was like pretty much he was behind like two of the drum sets. Like, I don't know what he was set up on, but there was like two like covered drum sets. So you like just saw this on him. He's like, <laughs> he's, like back there scratching see the top of his head. Uh -huh. um, but that's it. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was crazy. But yeah, so that's fucking awesome. That's such a cool story. Yeah. And like definitely power to like, you know, even if you have that, that small slither, whether it's, you know, 20 minutes before doors open or something like that, take advantage oh of those God. opportunities yeah. because like if you take advantage of those opportunities and you fucking kill it and you stay persistent, you can definitely make it happen. I think the biggest thing is like, uh, patience and persistence with bands. I think a lot of people lose that yep. and it just, you know, that what's that cliche? You miss 100% of, of the, the shots you don't take. Yeah. 
But I mean, true. Yep. Yeah, no, that's 100% <laughs> right? true because they did. They threw down. That was, that was, and there was like no space for them to throw down, but they did. They went hard and it was, uh, it was great. It was an awesome show, but they won me over. There's always an opportunity to play bigger stages. Like you said, I mean, you just have to, you know, for the people that you play in front of, you have to make the most of it. And, you know, and then playing on bigger stages is getting a better, I don't know, management company or somebody that can get you those, you know, unlock mm-hmm. those doors, you know, to play on those bigger stages. So I think that as a band, you know, you got to be tight in either scenario, both the small venue and then the big stage. Those are the bands. Yeah, that you I know what? To me, we still play our songs that we want to deliver and we like playing them. Like, you know, to me, there was no difference playing in Jurgles so or Thunderbird or yeah, like right. this parking lot, you know, like, and even the sound was better on the parking lot, which, so. Yeah. I think yeah. that was our best sound. I think that was ironically <laughs> that, that as far as like what I could hear on stage, like I, I could, that was, I had a lot of fun playing that show. Cause I was like, man, this actually sounds really good. Like, <laughs> like we didn't, we weren't worrying about like, you know, making sure we were set up to the click track and like, you're making sure that, you know, we had our monitor mixes just perfect. Like we just played and it felt like, it felt so good because we hadn't done that in, in so long. Even at practice, we all, we have our in ears in, um, because we practice so close to practice each other, so freaking close together, we so it's can't hard. Amps, so like, yeah. that's why we got in here. That, that was such yeah. a good feeling. I was like, oh man, this is what it used to feel like. Yeah, like so it was. It's 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 changed my my way I'm I'm looking at playing shows ongoing. So, hell yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's fucking killer. So we've hit our mark here. We're at an hour twenty right now, Ooh. and that's pretty long. Okay, if anybody's still watching this, hey, you know. Hi. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you're friends of the the band here. And one more time before I do my outro, why don't one of you take the reins and let people know where they can get the new album and when the new the when the next show is going to be? Uh, you want to do it? Or you want to do it? Oh, go ahead. You okay, so uh, the new album is Wounds of Our History. Uh, it's available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, all the places to get music online. But also, we have the CDs for our, uh, for sale at shows and uh, soon on our website. Uh, the next show is going to be December 29th at Club Cafe. It's an, a special all acoustic reimagined um, version of, of the songs that we have on this on Wounds of Our History, but also from the old albums as well. And uh, we're going to be joined by Patron Saint. They're coming back. So uh, I think that's it. What time's the show? Eight, seven thirty. Yeah. Seven thirty show. Usually it's a Sunday night show, so we're trying to get people in and out. Like you know, as okay. a, just a kind of little little pre pre party for the uh, for New Year's for Eve. New Year's Eve. Yeah. That's right. Hell yeah. Do it, man. Anything else, my friends? I think that's it. Well, okay. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time. DNAPS, aka Darren, aka Gunner. Dave, Roman, Identity X. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks. One more Thank time. You. I really appreciate y'all being here. I appreciate you for sticking around. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2019. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we'll get that slow fade and then we'll get out of here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome.